Hello, my name is James Pikeaway, and welcome to Catching Up, the James Dyson Award edition. In fact, this is part one of three podcasts that are going to be exploring the James Dyson Awards right here in the United Arab Emirates. You might be saying, James Dyson Awards? What are you talking about, James? Well, the James Dyson Awards are offered in 27 countries around the world. The only country in the Middle East that has the awards taking place in them is the United Arab Emirates. Well, this is a front row seat in our first podcast, an opportunity for you to meet the winners, meet the runners up this year, an opportunity to hear the judges talk about their thoughts on creativity, engineering, where things are going, an opportunity to hear from the folks over at the James Dyson Foundation. It's actually pretty cool. Did you know that the James Dyson Awards, as you start thinking about it, because maybe you didn't know that they even existed, these awards, they're all about really solving problems and boosting opportunity. Solving problems and boosting opportunity through an international design award that's to encourage up and coming design engineers, which is interesting because the winners this year in the UAE were multimedia design students from the American University of Sharjah. Exquisite. Exquisite. In this podcast, we're going to have an opportunity, as I said, to hear from the folks over at the James Dyson Foundation. We're going to have an opportunity to hear from Her Excellency Shama Al-Mazrui, Minister of State for Youth Affairs. We're going to have an opportunity to hear from the judges. It's going to be exquisite. And of course, the winners and the runners-up. There's a lot to learn here. Episode one is a masterclass on what is going on in the minds of the judges that looked at all of the entries right here in the United Arab Emirates competition. You're going to love it. Without further ado, let's jump in to the fun. This is the James Dyson Awards UAE Part 1. Coming, welcome everyone, ladies and gentlemen, here today for the James Dyson Awards ceremony. Um, this is an international design competition that uh, is host uh, worldwide across 27 countries. Uh, we are very proud that UAE is the only country in this region here uh, where it helps. And uh, we had a very high commitment from students and educators, especially in this very year with a very difficult situation with the spread of COVID disease. Uh, so thanks everyone for uh, participating, for your effort and commitment on, uh, um, on this year competition. So today, uh, we are in a very appropriate uh, place for to host this event, the UTAB here in Emirates Tower in Dubai, where we really feel the spirits uh, uh, of this young um, generation of uh, talents and engineers that uh, serve the purpose of our company, where we want to solve problems other in yours. So um, it is with pleasure that we introduce a message from Her Excellency uh, Shama Al-Mazrui, Minister of Youth Affairs, that she will uh, lead into our day. So I wish everybody to have a very good day here, and thanks a lot for uh, your commitment in making this possible today. 
Hi everyone, it's my pleasure to be here and to recognize our country's talented young inventors and engineers. Youth are our pride and joy of this nation. As the UAE positions itself as a hub for innovation ideas, we must recognize that we would not be able to do so without the persistence and diligence of young Emiratis in engineering, in science, and in technology. Out of 27 countries worldwide, the UAE is the first Arab country selected to host the JV's Dyson Award. And that's not a coincidence. Uh, it is a country of firsts. And in the UAE, we revel in supporting and equipping our people, especially our youth, to strive for excellence and to explore uncharted territories. I'm so pleased and thrilled and delighted to see such a strong lineup of competitors. It is very encouraging to also see young judges of the highest caliber here today providing their expertise and their experience. Celebrating the work that young people are doing in this field is our way of saying thank you for choosing to dream big and to build the world back better than how you found it. Around the world, including in the UAE, we have seen our scientists and innovators step up to the challenge of finding new ways to beat the COVID-19 pandemic. And this would not have been possible without developing young scientific talent and supporting budding inventors to help solve our most pressing concurrent crises. The crises will define the next generation and they represent the cracks in our health, governance and environment sectors. But where there are cracks, light peeks through. If the crack in our systems are poor access to healthcare, gaps in income inequality, uh, ethical and inclusive design and technological advances, climate change, and more and more, it is youth energy, innovation, and resourcefulness that is the new light shining through. Young people are poised to solve this generation's deeply rooted problems, and it is initiatives like the James Dyson Award that recognize this and support our efforts to leverage the greatest minds we have. This award inspires the next generation to go into their STEM fields, a necessary move if we are able to keep moving and innovating ourselves into a better future. The UAE leadership has long placed great emphasis on technology, innovation, and this in every kind of aspect that affects every facet of our lives. By 2025, Dubai is going to start producing artificial limbs using 3D printing, and there are plans to establish a dedicated district for the development and testing and deployment of 3D printing technology. We are swiftly moving past our oil dependency as the Baraka nuclear power plant is set to produce around 25% of the UAE's electricity. In education, we offer cutting-edge life scientific researchers at the Center for Genomics and Systems Biology at NYU Abu Dhabi. And last year, we opened in the UAE the Mohammed bin Zayed University of Artificial Intelligence. In the public sector, Mubadala is investing in a global portfolio of world-class information and communications technology and assets. Last year, the Mohammed bin Rashid Center for Government Innovation was established to stimulate and enrich the culture of innovation within the government sector. Could we forget Hope, the Emirates Hope Mars mission probe that was that's already nearly a quarter of the way through its journey to Mars. The Hope Mars mission was designed to transfer skills and knowledge to UAE's uh, young engineers and scientists, a team with an average age of 27. This is praxis, not theoretical situations or rhetoric about supporting technological advances. We walk the talk and we take our jobs very seriously, inspiring young people to leverage the opportunities the government and its partners have created. I'd like to congratulate the winners of the James Dyson Award. You are a light that's shining through the cracks in our world. And don't forget that you are our greatest assets. And I wish you the best of luck in the international competition. 
The work, however, doesn't stop here. I hope you continue to develop solutions to share the global challenges, and I can't wait to see what you will come up with next. Thank you, and good luck. Uh, Professor James, thank you for joining us. Um, so we thought that the best thing for our winners to understand is why they won. Uh, we James Dyson Award is not does not select them. It's our honorary judges that are in here with us, and we're going to introduce them. Um, and then you guys can get an in-depth look into why the award were, cho were chosen. Um, and you'd be if only it was not a closed judges uh, session, because if I could share with you the conversations, it would be the best show available on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome everyone. And I, I believe we want to get our judges actually to come up and join us here on the stage. And we're going to all come up and, and sit down. And, and we're going to kind of make it a little bit fun. And I thought it would be really nice, very quickly. We got a lot of great questions that I, I'm looking forward to all of you answering and sharing your thought process and where the field of engineering is going and innovation and creativity, et cetera. But before we do that, I would love for you to each, we'll just send the mic down and I've got hand sanitizer if you want. I know, but it's important. But I'd love for you to each introduce yourself in the classic one-minute elevator pitch style. Who you are, what you do, something we'll remember you by. And we will we'll move from there. Okay, so uh, my name is uh, Shane McGinley, uh, as you can tell by the accent. Uh, I'm from Ireland. I've been here about 12 years. Uh, I'm a, a journalist and I specialize in sort of the business sector technology. So I've interviewed lots of sort of inventors and different business people and we always look about you know, why they've been successful and I always think it's intriguing to even more interesting to see people starting at the very start of their journey and 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 then hopefully talk to them when they're a multi-billionaire or something like that. My name is Swad Shamsi. I'm um, the first UAE female aircraft engineer. I'm an aviation consultant now in the aviation industry for 15 years. Uh, holding my PhD in aeronautical engineering, so I'm a pure engineer. And if you will notice that the aviation industry, it's actually in my blood and my passion. And I'm a writer, I write novels, plus a lot of cases study uh, about innovation and creativity in aviation industry. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, the Irish are well represented here uh, today. Um, my name is Tiger Donovan. I'm a professor of energy and uh, sustainability at Harriet Watt University. And uh, I oversee undergraduate degree programs in engineering from automotive to energy to robotics, autonomous interactive systems, that type of thing. Uh, but I'm also a researcher. And I work with companies to help develop new technology that are hopefully going to reduce the impact that we're having on the environment. Uh, and it's a really rewarding thing to work with students from very early on to companies as they're trying to develop these products and uh, make their way in the market and really have a good impact. Uh, good morning. My name is Rimin Marzoghi. I'm a patent holder from UAE. Uh, I work as an engineer during daytime in Abu Dhabi Airport Company with uh, Sad. And uh, uh, I'd like, um, I love uh, using my free time to teach uh, students how to apply for patents and if anyone uh, with a small dream, how to make it true, 
I helped uh, so many students, including kids, uh, registering uh, patents as uh, I work um, volunteering uh, with Khalifa University and I work um, in some researches uh, related to uh, water and environmental engineering. So I'm just trying to be a, a nice person to, you know, to people in the world. <laughs> that's it. Wonderful. So we, we know who our judges are, a very interesting group of people. And we've got some questions. And there will be an opportunity for all of you to get involved uh, near the end of this session. But we want to, I want to start off with a question that is for all the panelists. So we'll just go back through the conversation. And, and, and since, Reem, you have the microphone, yeah. you, can, you can kick off. Our, our first question is, is really about creativity and engineering. Yeah. And, and really, it is that question about what does creativity mean in your field? Um, okay, uh, in the engineering field, in order to be creative, you need to, from my own point of view, hit two targets. First, you need to be unique, and second, you need to make money. People, let's be realistic. Um, money is a, an important factor, and with money, you actually develop your project more. So if you're not making money, it might be a fun idea, but you'll just get to a dead end. So from my perspective, you need to make money and you need to be unique. These are two very strong factors in your project. Um, it's often thought that engineers aren't creative. For some reason, we, we, think of this, we think of art or something when we think of creativity. To me, that's, that's quite an annoyance because engineers don't do anything twice. They are only brought in when there's a problem to solve. It, it's not a cut and paste job. It's always about coming up with creative and innovative solutions. You're absolutely right. One of the prime drivers is money, though, isn't it? Uh, so looking for maybe cheaper solutions, ones that are going to be more effective, more sustainable, but also coming up with very new and game changer ideas. That's, they all come from engineers, engineers who work with others, of course. We don't do it all on our own. So creativity is what it's all about for engineering, in my opinion, at least. <laughs> So from my side, I will say how to be different, but not stupid. Uh, this is always I keep saying for my students, be different, but not stupid. Different in a way that you serve yourself, you serve the country, that whatever you give to, to the people, you know, it will stay for many years in advance. It's not just an, a creating an idea, what is will stay for a couple of weeks. A creativity is just how you can build an idea from small books to become a huge product that it can serve everyone, other child, other old people, different expert, that you know that your idea it will reach to the higher limit. So creativity is how you can be different than other people actually in the market. Okay, the, the, the thing that I was looking at a lot when we were doing the judging was that sometimes the the simple idea is is the most effective one and i know it's an urban legend but when you when they say about you know the americans tried to come up with a pen that worked in space and then the russians use a pencil um, so that's what i was looking at, at the time sometimes the the entries were overly complex when there was a much simpler easier idea and then the second one is basically what i noticed as well is that you know a lot of my job is interview people and then sort of simplify it down to an easy message that the public will understand and I think that's important as well, is that you have to be able to communicate what your invention is, and that's also very important, which, and that involves a lot of creativity as well. 
actually, you, you can pass the mic back down because you, you've answered my second question in the, in the process of doing this, is what you were looking for as you were having these conversations about these entries. What, what was it that you were, you were zeroing in on? Well, I will totally agree we were looking for something simple that it can be a real, it's not just an idea. Um, a lot of people have a plenty of idea, having a lot of nice idea, but it can be work, it can be in the market, can people use it? So I think all of these uh, categories we were looking during our judging. Uh, I think I was looking to be surprised. I, I wasn't looking for something that I, I could think of myself. Um, I think simplicity, elegance in design, these, these were things that were really attractive to me. And I think sometimes when you just open the page and you saw an image and straight away you were captured by the idea. We are our first market test, okay? That's what's going to happen for any product that goes out there. People are just going to see it first and are they going to want it? Um, I think a really interesting point about it being simple though, right? You can add features to anything and make it more and more complex. But if we look around our day-to-day -day lives, what attracts us to something is something that's simple but smart. And I think we'll probably achieve that in our winner as well. Yeah, I was looking for simplicity too and how real is the problem? Because uh, so many projects, they serve, in, let's say, a very day-to-day uh, -day problem, but some other problems they are really um, not been solved for a lot of time and someone just thought of it. So I was looking for such thing. Yeah. Excellent. I've got a question for both of the gentlemen on the panel. And the, the question is about the thought process in engineering and how does that thought process, in your opinion, how does it bring creativity as we think about it in our, our markets today into that sometimes very linear process? <laughs> Or the perception that it's linear. I'm going to go with the perception, <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's always a perception that engineering is very technical, and I won't deny it. It is a technical field. Um, but that's only a very small proportion now of a successful engineer. A successful engineer will work with others, and they will understand everything about a particular product or a solution. And that will go from the economics to the human factors. So even psychology is involved in this, the market, the economics, everything, and how it all, all these parameters must be taken in kind of equal uh, measure when they're coming up with a technical solution. So the challenge to engineers is not to be the technical person sitting in the corner that's going to do as they're told. It is for them to stand up and lead, and for them to understand all of the factors that might, um, that might somehow influence the eventual success of the solution that they, that they derive. Um, obviously, I'm not an engineer, so I can't speak, but I've, I've interviewed a lot of engineers, and I think the main thing is, is that in this day and age that if you want to be successful, you kind of have to be like a Steve Jobs where you can be able to stand up and explain what your invention is because, and unfortunately, I have seen, interviewed a lot of engineers who you know don't want to go on TV or radio because they, they don't have the the sort of communication skills. And I think if you notice that in yourself, A, you can get training or partner with a marketing person who can who can do that, but you have to be able to explain your invention or otherwise you won't be successful. And I've seen a lot of companies that are maybe number two in the market, but because they can explain it and have that ability and that creativity, then they become number one. And unfortunately, that's the reality of the world we live in. Dr. Swad, I've got a question. Another one, and, and we're going to fire this one to the, to the two women on the panel. 
creativity in the field of engineering, is it something that, that we it naturally comes with the students? Is it something that is learned? Is it something that you can actually teach? How do you see creativity manifesting itself in the curriculum? Well, if I will talk about the new generation, um, I'll be so honest. The new generation, um, I notice they have this, the mentality of the creativity, uh, thinking about innovation. I think uh, with the lifestyle, it's become a part of the engineering. Previously, uh, as as he mentioned, that the engineer they have the product, they have the idea, but they don't know how to market it, how to communicate with the people. They need someone to have this skill. But when I come to see the new engineer with the new generation in the university, I say they have they have the idea, they have the solution, they have even they create the elegant of the product, the design, the designing part, and how they market their product. When uh, I think it's became a part of the engineering right now, the innovation and the creativation skills. Um, when I talk about um Creativity. I, I like using the flower pot example. You need the seed, soil, water, pot, and then the flower will bloom. So students are the seed. If you are not the seed, you're not going to bloom. It's as simple as that. So by just approaching engineering field, this itself gives us an indication that this student has the seed, but it just needs to be polished. Because some students, um, they're different. They are, some are more into the theoretical ways, some are more into experimental ways. You just have to discover your student and then polish it. And then the flower will bloom. <laughs> Without that, you cannot say creativity is something you're born with it or you learn it. It's, it's a group of tasks. You have to tick all the boxes in order to make it happen, like the flower. You cannot bloom, the flower cannot bloom without the water or the soil. It has to be both of them. So um, this is how I love looking at it. I want to jump back to our perception issue yeah. <laughs> and the perception of, of engineering. And, and do, do you think that engineering moving forward typically gets very much siloed in very particular, oh, chemical engineer, yeah. or mechanical engineer, or structural engineer. Do you think the future of engineering, as, as Dr. Swad was alluding to, is really in a, a true interdisciplinary approach, bringing together many parts that are more representative of the students and, and the world we live in? It comes down to the definition of what an engineer is. And I give a lot of talks on this. And the first question I get, and people may identify with the person who fixes their washing machine or, or so, but when we distill it down, um, it'll be a problem solver. The question then is to define the problem. And once you've defined the problem, you realize, yes, there'll be a technical element, but there'll be so much more to it as well. So. I think when we have these disciplines and, you know, we talk about automotive engineering, aerospace engineering, chemical engineering, we can distill down to very small and specialist things, but, well, you know, especially at this early stage of your careers, think towards your transferable skills, think towards what you can uh, apply to many, many different um, fields. Uh, and and then you'll be successful. And that's, uh, and I think the other is then to appreciate the skills that other people have. So often um, the engineer might have the initial idea, the initial concept, and they, they'll, they'll want, it'll be a technical thing, and they'll probably want to hold on to it. But realize that the success will happen through collaboration. So um, by 
partnering with that person in marketing if you're not the best person to stand up and you know and, and speak to how great it is. I think Steve Jobs was was a marketeer, right? He, he wasn't an engineer, but he had a vision of what he wanted. And uh, again, probably an example of a, a number two product that uh, I absolutely love and have to have. So, <laughs> so, so absolutely true that if you partner with the right people, if you respect the expertise that people have in terms of business case in terms of those human factors that are so important to delivering success, then, then I think engineering will go a long way. And successful engineers become leaders. They, they become the CEOs. Um, they're, they're not just left in the back room and told to do your job. So I, I, I think it's a bright future for engineering as it evolves as a career and, and that they are looking well beyond just the technical parts of what an engineering degree is and what an engineering career might be. I, I want to address the next question to Shane, who's has had enormous opportunity to have conversations with business leaders, CEOs about innovation. And I want to touch on, as, as we've been sort of, you know, as, as the James Dyson Awards is all about and, and James Dyson and, and you know, the, the, the organization itself, Innovation is a great thing. Finding that commercial side of it, how important in the conversations you've had with CEOs is that commercial innovative link? Yeah, it's, it's very important. Like, like Reem said, making money is important. And I, I took this as sort of a prime factor in a lot of the, the sort of inventions that I looked at. Like, will this, can you scale this up and will it, will it, will it make money? And, and a lot of the times, I think the classic example is sort of Richard Branson and, and Virgin. You know, everyone remembers sort of the Virgin products that did really, really well. Nobody really remembers, you know, Virgin Cola or all of the ones that, that didn't work. But the main thing is, I think, is that the brand can extend across different products. And I think that's the important thing is, you know, tr try as much as you can, fail quickly, move on to the next one and keep, keep trying keep, you know, and keep going. In the same way, and if people like the brand name, they will they will invest it and they'll pay more for your product. For example, like there are many many vacuum cleaners on the market, and Dyson is not the cheapest one, but people are willing to pay more to get a Dyson product. My wife has pretty much most of the Dyson products, which you know is, is great when it comes to Christmas. But <laughs> you know exactly, there's always another one. But I mean, like she's she's a very smart woman, but she's willing to spend more on that product, and a lot of that is so. The point I'm making is that you know people have to perceive that you have the company has the end user as the core and that it's authentic and that it's a good company and then people will spend more on your product which is very important i've, I've got a, a final question that we want i want to fire off to everyone and this is this is based around again the idea of innovation the idea of creativity and the idea of the moment and speed and our environments and we're in a pandemic we're all sitting here. We've got a socially distanced audience. We've got masks on. The world's changed. How do we embrace this change? How do we embrace this moment in terms of creativity, in terms of innovation, in terms of engineering? How do we get our society, our students, our all of us to look at what's happening and to say, I've got something to offer, as opposed to the typical mode, which is if it's in school, well, we've got another semester, and at the end of the semester, we're going to have a project, and at the end of that project, we're going to have an outcome, and then we move on. How, how do we change that? How do we get people to start being more creative and innovative now based on their environments? 
Well, I'll, I'll start. Um, well, the one thing is people have way more time on their hands at the moment because they're all at home. So that is basically one one thing is that people have more time to think about, okay, how, how can I solve this problem? Because they're not going commuting, they're not going out, they're not doing socializing. So they, they, they have more brain power to think, which is, is quite important actually. Um, and then the other thing is, which we did look at the inventions is that yes, so I agree with you, we have to take the pandemic into consideration, but also hopefully this will go away in about six months. So you don't want to come up with an invention that'll have a shelf life. So a lot of the ones we looked at, you know, address the issues at the moment, but have long longevity, which is important as well. Um, so I think you have to look at it, you know, in, in both ways in, in, in that regards. And I think as well, a lot of the time, you know, so people are people are working at home now. So there's they're not going to not going to buildings. So they're going to come up with inventions that will suit the home, which they never had to thought, think about before. So I think there's there's way more opportunity, which I think will hopefully lead to a lot more things in the future. From my side, I will say that COVID-19 um, give us an opportunity uh, to spend more time with the family, uh, to understand our child. Um, I think if we use it as opportunity uh, and think about it in different way, when I will come from the aviation industry, it's make me to think a lot of uh, airport operation, aircraft operation, and all, a lot of a project being changes, a lot of idea came out because of COVID-19, which we, we, I think from our side, we never thought about it because we thought that the life is easy and everything. So uh, we, we create a lot of things under innovation. And, and the aviation industry, and especially with aviation. Um, when I will talk about the aviation, a lot of people, they love to travel. And the, the first question people will ask, when we can fly? How we can fly? The distance, how is it the chair? How is it the, all of the things that's coming under the, the flying and aviation. So it's give us an opportunity. As a human, I think it's to create more time to spend with the family. So for example, my, my child, he's six year old, and because we spend more time at home, so he creates his own way to play with us. And he, he don't want to play in the iPad, he don't want to use anymore the computer. So he keep a printing paper, and he start draw it in the floor. And he create a new idea that one of the old game here in our country, we, we've been designing um, in the floor, uh, the, uh, the numbers from one to nine, I remember. So he create that if you, uh, uh, a new idea for this game, that is not a number, is alphabetic, and you have to match it in the floor and do your own sentence. And it should be a loving sentence. And I was like, are you serious? And he created his own way. And on the floor and my, every week we have to clean it. And I noticed something that, that COVID-19 make us to, to have it as opportunity and create our own way of living because we know that the life may be within not coming easily back. So I think um, a creativity and innovation, it's being there. It's how the people should use it rather than sitting and say, oh, I'm just staying at home. Uh, thank you. Um, I think sometimes you have to address what the barriers to innovation and creativity are. And I love the idea of a six-year-old because there's no barriers to, to a six-year-old. They, they don't think, they're not self-conscious, they, they just have lots and lots of energy and they want to create. Um, what often happens in 
when you get into university, and because we put structures on it, um, we try to somehow manage that innovation, and, and we shouldn't. The curriculum is one thing. A university offers so much more, and you should take those advantages, like the James Dyson Award that's aimed at, at, at students like this. The, the other barrier often is people think they're not experienced. And, and if we, I can really draw a linear between um, age on the x-axis, pardon me for being an engineer here, uh, and, and creativity and experience. And perhaps what you lack in experience, you gain or, if, or maybe even make up for, or, or even have more creativity. Because as you get more and more experienced, often you jump to what can't happen. So the point is to take advantage of your inexperience and to indulge in your creativity. As I said, the six-year-old has absolutely nothing holding them back about what couldn't work. And I get asked this all the time by my four-year-old and my seven-year-old. And there's nothing, no is never an option for them. And, and, and I think... In a time of challenge, and this is a challenge, and, and we do like to talk about the opportunities because we like to be optimistic. So, mo so many good things have come out that we hope to hold on to um, post-pandemic. And, and I think overall we'll look back in this time as a time of huge challenge, but maybe a step change in how we do things, you know, build back better or whatever uh, 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 phrase we're going to put to it. I really hope that we take this opportunity to, um, to indulge in our creativity and, and, and drive the innovation even faster than, than we had anticipated even six or nine months ago. Um, I think uh, flexibility is uh, a very important um, thing to practice nowadays, especially with a very temporary situation. We're not sure is it temporary, let's hope it is. Uh, because um, I noticed um, even business and ideas and products, they're almost dying because of this pandemic, except the flexible ones. And the ones who are being created nowadays, and they are still flexible, they will work good during the pandemic and after the pandemic. So flexibility is something I personally recently just saw it, and I saw how important is it, especially when it comes to business and large scale. Like, Surat can, um, can talk to you about how our project, the airport, is struggling. Because we are not flexible. We are losing billions. But meanwhile, some other projects, God bless them, they are very flexible and they are making billions during the, during the pandemic. Yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's very important. And, um, and, and one thing also during this COVID, I realized the definitions we know is not really what we know. I always thought this is the right way of doing this, and you cannot do it any other way. But during COVID, I had to expand my limits and you know do weird stuff. I started baking, and I hate cooking. <laughs> but I went all the way to baking. Baking is, I think it's the hardest part about cooking. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> so I was like, okay, so there is no such thing called I can't or I don't know. You just do it. Burn the kitchen and until you learn, you know? <laughs> yeah, I burned my kitchen so many times and my husband was like, trust me, if we're not gonna die from this pandemic, we're gonna die because of your cake. So stop it. <laughs> so yeah. So this is two skills you really need to learn, how to be flexible and how to change your definitions and be more 
stretch your definitions, let's say. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I, I don't want to monopolize questions. I'm sure we've got a, a wonderful group of people here. Do we still have time? Yes. Are there any questions from the floor? Anyone who would like to uh, ask a question of the panel? Um, this question is uh, mainly from the professor from Harriet Ward University. Uh, I just wanted to ask, uh, as, you, as you were also a big fan of saying that simple stuff is needed and that simplicity is the way you could make uh, your product more marketable uh, and you could uh, have it, you could have it, have more sales with, the, with that product. But uh, also, uh, one of the judges mentioned that it is super important that you can also you also have the you also monetize it. So when you go to monetize such a product, which is quite simple, there might be that you could get cloned in the market, <laughs> and it also might be possible that if, even if you don't get cloned, the, the the product is so is not so effective. But yeah, yeah, it's simple, it's needed, but it's, it, it, there are alternatives for that. So when you try to use the latest technologies in the market with the virtual reality, augmented reality, artificial intelligence, and all these uh, big factors coming, playing in. When you, when you try to make something, a solution that is based on these latest technologies, these, these start becoming a little bit more uh, expensive on the expensive side, and the, these require a sort of funding. So how, how do you see that a product that is uh, also marketable, simple, effective, and getting all these factors in, into one consideration, one aspect? Excellent. Uh, lots of questions there. Uh, let, me, let me start with the, the word simple. Um, and I, it's my favorite, I think, Oscar Wilde quote that, that says, I did not have enough time to write you a short letter, so I wrote you a long one. And, and, <laughs> and what they mean by that is you can make something really complicated with lots of bells and whistles and really, really complicated, but it actually takes more time and it makes more, takes more effort to make it simple. So there's actually a lot more involved in a simple elegant solution than there often is the really elaborate with, with all these extra features in it. Um, the other questions I think will, I might defer to some of my colleagues here about things like patents and, 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 and IP law, how you protect your idea and whether it's a copyright or a patent. So maybe, yeah, so you can, maybe it's, it's say it to everybody. Um, but there, it isn't a conflict there. Some of the, um, the smartest, simplest ideas can be protected and not cloned. And it probably also touches on the idea of brand recognition, whether it's Virgin, Apple, uh, or, or whatever. There are knockoffs of all these ideas out there. People still want the original, and they'll pay multiples. To, to for that because the brand is strong and it's 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 quality. It, it'll have so many other um, uh, what do you say words associated with what that brand is um, beyond just the the physical thing that you have. So, but maybe you'd like to say a few things about protecting your ideas. Protecting, uh, uh, protecting. we have two things. Uh, copyright and uh, patent. People usually they misunderstand what is the difference between them. Uh, a copyright can be on something already done, and you're just adding a dash. This is a copyright, and guess what? No one can take your dash. <laughs> but um, the patent, you, you don't have to do another way of flying. Still fly, but with a different wing. This is an invention. People think you have to have an engineering background, IT background, coding, and all. I have to do something was never been existed before. No. Take something and modify it and check. Maybe it's, a, it's patentable. If it's not, go for copywriting. Both work the same almost, almost. When it comes to money, they're not. Because patents make billions. 
copyrights make thousands. <laughs> so. How many patents do you have? Just, just one, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> In terms of the billions, that's what I'm asking. Oh, sure. <laughs> Everyone wants billions. <laughs> do we have uh, another question or do we? Yes. Uh, hi, good morning. Uh, my question about uh, sustainability is um, when, you, when you are an engineer, you try to solve problems, but sometimes you create or invent something that you solve some problem, but you create problems for in the future. So how do you evaluate this factor in your judging or on, your, on the new inventions? Thank you. I'll take this briefly first and then pass across. Um, something we do certainly in research and more and more in engineering design is full life cycle analysis. So you're looking from the, the raw material and all the embodied energy that came to creating that material, bringing it to the manufacturing plant, all the energy that goes into creating that product, shipping it to the person, the person using it, maybe charging it 10,000 times or how, often, how much energy is involved in it, to its disposal, and it's full life cycle. So we call it cradle to grave. Now, often that's done in retrospect. So we have the product and then we figure out afterwards how environmentally impactful that is. And really what engineers have to do now is flip that on its head. And when they're designing something, design it with this metric in mind. So we're not just looking at efficiency or cost. We're also looking at, well, I tend to look at embodied energy or embodied carbon in design so that we're, we're um, you know, so we don't get surprised at the end that we've had a faux pas. Uh, you know, you can look at a wind turbine and, uh, and this is a certain amount of carbon trading that goes on. So. In the UK, they'll install or they'll buy in a, a wind turbine from, from China, and it'll be seven years of it going round before it is carbon neutral. Now, hopefully it lasts 25 years. So, we, so that's good. It could be carbon negative as, a, as an enterprise on it. But the carbon was perhaps spent in China, and uh, the savings uh, happened in, in the UK. So when we think carbon trading isn't happening, it is happening. But it's important to be cognizant of these factors when we're putting solar panels on our roofs, or buying a Tesla, or buying a car at all, when maybe it's better to take Uber. So uh, it's, it's about about looking at that full life cycle approach and doing it from the absolute beginning. Does anybody else want to go on that? Do we have any more questions? Do we have another question? Uh, I know it's weird that I'm asking, but I, I, do, I do want to touch on, so our winners, which will be coming, uh, joining us on stage uh, and being awarded by the judges shortly, uh, they're very different. They're very varying. Uh, this is something we have, have, haven't really shared with the audience, and I know that, so I wanted to get kind of your thoughts on the winners, how you guys chose them. Uh, for example, um, Grounded, I can imagine, came kind of, you know, being at home. You're thinking about how to, you know, move around. So that was kind of related to COVID-19. Uh, Obilizer? Yes. So that is also kind of very much uh, a solution that was, I can assume, born out of the current situation and will continue to be uh, necessary because it's it's widely uh, used while touch is it's something completely different it's something that I think we you touched on it before you're like you know something that hasn't really been uh, it's been around like in a problem that's been around no one's really kind of addressed it before and suddenly you did this right like mm -hmm. you guys they thought of it you know so a it must have been like super hard to to, you, know, you have all these different projects. Everything is so different. Um, I would love to know from 
your experience, why do you think the, the winners won? Um, and anything else that kind of stood out to you guys? Uh, yeah, to be honest, uh, picking uh, the winner was was confusing for me because some projects, they were very uh, close to each other, but they are different. So uh, now we have to set uh, priorities and which one is like um, got a heavier weight than the other one. So in terms of that, um, I was a little bit um, not confident about it because just last year I was particip participating in um, competitions. I was you. So I know how uh, I want my projects to win. And I felt like, oh my god, I want everyone to win. Uh, can we just, you know, because <laughs> they're all good. But it had to be um, the weight. One project had a heavier weight than the others in, in terms of different aspects. But that doesn't mean the others are bad. It's just the weight. So I think this is it for me. I guess it's important to say that we had a lot of entries this year uh, over, over previous years, and that, that was great. Um, but then when you do have a lot, you're looking for something to jump out at you. And there was uh, you know, certainly these top three and probably a few others, they, they really just straight away you could imagine the product, you could imagine what it could do. And probably most important, it, it solved the problem um, that was there. It was really clear that this, the problem came first and the solution came after. And I can just imagine how well this, these products will work. Um, uh, without the technical background that we, you know, we'd look at that secondary, but we, we wanted to know that this is something that um, would be, well, I suppose, a good representative of innovation in the UAE because this is going forward to the next stage, the global stage, and we're all really keen that it does well on that global stage. So it made an impact uh, from the beginning. And uh, yeah, I, I, th I think it's got a good chance. As everyone mentioned, it was um, challenges because m some of the idea was similar, but the three top it was uh, for me to see it as a realistic. It can be uh, in the market. It can be used with uh, some of our judges. He, he he might buy it or I might buy it. So I think it should be. Uh, from technical side, uh, it's come secondary because um, a lot of things will come after when um, it will come to to uh, product it, uh, manufacture it, and have it. Maybe uh, slightly the design maybe will be changed. But when it came to choosing, uh, I think. Uh, we, we had how the person sell his idea, it was very important. Is it the problem and solving the problem, the design and the requirement in the market? So I think this is the four uh, segment we, we were looking for uh, during uh, our judging. Um, yeah, I, I'd agree. I, I looked at it from sort of the end user and, and the, the three products we ended up with, I could see that, you know, the marketing campaign, the, you know, the ads, you're running people, people going to the stores and, and sort of like picking them up. And also they were sort of very adaptable to, you know, a lot of different, different uses. And it, I think, the, the, but the one thing I would add as well is that um, 
you know, I've done an award ceremony before where there's about 450 entries and you have to become quite brutal. And I think it's fair to say, like, of the four of us, I was sort of a bit like, no, next, next, next. <laughs> sort of a bit short attention span. So, and what I said, like, the communication side is very important because I had, I had a feeling sometimes where you'd read the description and I was like, I, I, what, 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 what are they saying? I don't get it. It was almost as if they'd taken a thesaurus and gone through every word. So it comes back to this, I said, simplicity in, in the product and simplicity in the communication. You don't need to sound super intelligent. You, you want to just get across what, what the product is and how it works in, like, I think seven seconds is the people's attention span. So you have to get it really, really quickly. So that, if you take anything from me today is just, if, if you're unsure, go and hire a marketing person. And if I'm not a judge next year, just come to me and I'll, I'll do a very good rate. So. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, I think we're gonna, we're gonna stop our questions for now. And I wanna thank all four of the judges, but don't go away because we, we've got more to do here. What a, what a great conversation. And I think everyone can learn something from this conversation as we're, we're thinking about how innovation works and how we can be part of things and opportunity. I think the big word that I heard here, and I'm not so sure we even said the word, but opportunity and the opportunity that's being created and how we have those skills and those ideas with us right now at this moment. It's just a matter of embracing our inner six-year-old and giving it a try and, and not really caring what other people think and having fun with it. And who knows where that'll leave. In that sense, on, and on that note, uh, I'd like to, to call up Miriam and Nada. I'd like to have Miriam and Nada come up there with the touch. They invented the touch. And they are the winners. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, before we go, I, I'd love for you to tell our audience, both physical and virtual, just can you give us the pricey of what you ladies did. Touch is a smart ring designed to help the visually impaired uh, differentiate between color. Um, and it has a secondary function of being able to read smaller texts, so labels and receipts and such. And it's supposed to encompass the whole picking out your own clothes in the morning and shopping for clothes and extend to the visually impaired a sense of independence to really like express who they are and who they want to be on their own. So yeah. Um, we started the project really thinking about how we, we can um, let the visually impaired detect what color is to them without actually forcing it upon them. We can tell them that blue is a cool color, but for them, the idea is just there, then they memorized it. But really, we wanted to give them the opportunity to discover it themselves and uh, be able to actually pick out their own clothes without having some, a secondary person telling them what they should wear for the day. So that's really how it started off. Thank you very much. Great, and we need to also have our runner-ups. Please come on up. So first, Sartik? Uh, so Sartik first with the, the obelizer, and then uh, Aprana will come up as well. So I'll just tell you the story about obelizer, how I actually got the idea to build this product. So basically, in the month of May 2020, I was myself infected with COVID-19 and basically I didn't uh, used to actually go out of the house. So basically uh, COVID came to me through a surface which might, uh, uh, which I might have been uh, contacted with. 
so that's where i thought why not build a device that can help me uh, prevent against all kinds of viruses and bacteria and that's where i thought why not build a uv disinfection device that can disinfect almost any type of surface so anything from a smartphone to elevator buttons face mask clothing the vehicle interior anything can be disinfected with this device without the use of any kinds of acids liquids or bleaches so the main concern which we have while disinfecting is that it would make the surface wet it would uh, basically damage my phone it would damage my currency notes if i disinfect them so that was the problem which we tried to solve yeah and our another runner up we have arpana i'm going to leave this with you for a second but before she comes up because your product is here can you give us a really quick explanation of what you did Sure. Um, so, in the in, in the fast-paced modern world that we lived in, um, that we live in now, even though it's slowed down a bit because of COVID, um, I I my well, I'm sorry. My father is one of those very fast-paced people who works a lot and he keeps long hours every day. And I saw that he had a lot of trouble um, keeping up a health regimen, and and that. Um, working a lot was giving him stress, and because he was working a lot, he couldn't exercise, and and it was just his really um, never-ending toxic cycle. So um, I wanted to find a way where he could have um, a healthy regimen be a part of his routine, and also make it playful to um, take away some of the stress. So I made a smart yoga mat that um, acts a bit like a game of Twister, where each of these petals light up, and um, they guide you on to the different positions. Um, and it's meant to be a very mindful, calming, relaxing activity. Um, and I hope that, and I hope to one day see it come to fruition, because I think it's needed. Okay. <laughs> I, I just want to say a quick word of thanks, certainly to Dyson. Not, I've done this for a couple of years. I thoroughly enjoyed working with my, uh, my judges here. I thought we had a, a great fun time, and it was really a rich discussion. Um, so I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I think it's got a great cause, and I wish you all the very best um, uh, in your endeavors uh, in the future. We're, we're really excited to see how these products uh, go forward. From my side, I will say just don't stop uh, doing what you're doing, because I actually, personally, I saw a lot of a product um, with other awards, it's came real. Uh, I was just telling Graham about one lady, she's having her own company. She starts with a small product, just an idea, now she has more than 300 employees. Her product is being sold in a lot of worldwide. So I think your idea, if you work more and more hard, um, you will get it. Just don't stop dreaming and you will reach where you want. Best of luck. Uh, what I would just say is, um, you know, if you didn't win this year and come number one, you know, enter next year and the year after and the year after and the year after. Um, for example, like one of my friends is now a published author. And she entered the, the LitFest competition and she entered it three times and it was only the third time she won. So if you didn't win this year, don't take it as a negative. Just keep going, keep going. That's what I think. Uh, yeah, I would like to give you the same advice. Keep on going. Um, if you didn't win, that doesn't mean you will not win next year. And if you won, that doesn't mean that it's time to relax. It's even harder now. Yeah, so be careful. Don't do my mistake. I did that before, and I learned from my own mistake the hard way. So don't. Just don't relax. Oh, I got the second place, third place. I'm good enough. No, there's no such thing called good enough. 
always proceed for better and better and better. And you can. Okay, thank you. There we go. That was part one of catching up the James Dyson Award series. Part two, part three, go check them out. We have got the winners and the first runner up. We're gonna be talking about what was going on in their minds as they put together their entries, their projects, where things are going for them. It's really cool. The James Dyson Awards. If you haven't heard about it, you wanna go check it out. Hit www.dyson.com. That's one way to get there. And you know what? If you wanna find out more, hit up www.jamesdysonfoundation.com and you can read about the other 27 countries around the world that have also had this award ceremony going on and who the global winners are. You're going to love it. It's all it's all happening right here. More to come. My name's James Pikeway. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you again real soon.